The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedom, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, Lord, just how your word transforms every part of us because your word is the story of Jesus and a story of redemption and of grace. And so God, I pray that this morning as, as we hear this word, as we hear Randall speak, um, that we would get a better picture of who you are as um, a glorious God who's full of power and truth and how you really spread that power and truth through these early church days and through your disciples and apostles. And we're so thankful for that. And I thank you um, that we have access to this scripture and that we can freely read this and worship you um, and just know the truth that you've given to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Mary. Good morning, church. Great to see everybody today. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? I mean, we, we have so much to be thankful for. And um, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Randall. I'm the lead pastor of Grace City. I uh, would love to meet you, talk with you. I, I think one of the things, again, that, that we're learning in this season as the church is, is it's, it's not a building. <laughs> it's, it's a people. It's God's people. And so I'm thankful to see you this morning, to be able to go through the book of Acts with you. So if you're just joining us, we've been going through the book of Acts for uh, a little while now. And we're going section by section, verse by verse, walking through it. And I think it's timely for us to go through this book um, as we've been reading and learning about uh, the early church. And so, again, if you're just jumping in, you know, this is, this is post-Jesus, uh, right? Jesus had died, resurrected from the dead, gathered his followers together, and we've seen just how the church is being built. Jesus is, is building his church as he promised to do. And so we get to this text in Acts 6, 8 through 15. And, and last week we talked about how uh, there were some godly leaders that were set apart, uh, that were humble leaders, right? The ones that were called by God and, and truly filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we're, we're talking about true Christians, right? Real Christians, transformed. And what were they set apart to do? They were set apart to, to wait tables. They were set apart to do the simple things. It wasn't this grandiose thing, but it was just the simple ways of serving people. And so today we're going to look at one of those servants that was set apart last week. His name's Stephen. 
And the way that it describes Stephen is this, and this is the title of our message today, Full of Grace and Power. Full of Grace and Power. See, we've seen throughout the book of Acts different attempts to try and destroy this early church, right? The beginning, we saw persecution that was happening from uh, the Sanhedrin, the, the, the leaders of the day. And so there was an outside attack on the church. But also we've seen the, the internal attacks upon the church. There was a hypocrisy of Ananias and Sapphira and how dangerous that is. But then we've also seen another inside attack, a potential division that could have happened last week because of differences that were in the church. So it was an, a, a potential split of the church that could have happened. But again, godly leaders set aside to, to solve issues and to, to bring healing in, in the community. Because what we've seen is that the, the body, the church, isn't a, a perfect group of people, right? They're a graced group of people. They're a saved group of people by God being transformed. And so it really helps to bridge the gap that people just in general face. And so we see God just bringing all of this healing together. But what we need to understand is this. It's not just the physical things that we're seeing, right? It's not just physical things that are happening, like just the outward attacks, all this stuff. But what we know is that there is a spiritual battle. We don't acknowledge it very much. We don't talk about it very much in a very secularized culture. And we, we even try to take it out of the scriptures in some sense because it makes us a little uncomfortable. But what we, what we need to understand is there is a spiritual aspect to this as well. Ephesians 6, 11 through 12 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against what the schemes of the devil. Okay, there are schemes, there are things, the tactics that try to separate and destroy God's church. But Jesus said this. He says, as I build my church, the gates of hell will not stand against it. Verse 12, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See, what we need to understand is this, that, that, that to be a Christian, especially in this culture and even in this culture today, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a need for us to stand up on the grace of God and, and the power of God in a time where there are schemes that will try to distract you and take you away from Jesus. That will try to distract and take you away from the church. In his recent book, The Courage to Stand, Russell Moore as he thought about his church experience and also his disappointments along the way he's faced over the years, said this, he says, I'm not surprised now when I see Jesus used as a mascot to prop up some identity politics or power agenda or even to cover up private immorality or public injustice. I know well enough now to see that such is not about him at all. What I want to be is the kind of Christian who is willing to stand for Jesus, to be willing to stand alone if necessary. But more than that, I want to be the kind of Christian who can stand that way without the fear of being out of step with whatever group of people I am looking to for approval. This is about standing for Christ even when others may not. See, this is the life of being filled with, with grace and power that's not from yourself, but from God. 
See, because what we lean into many times is, is this, is this okay with everybody else around me? But no, is this between you and the Lord? And are you willing to stand? Because Stephen standing against the systems of this time in this way, it, it doesn't look good for him. Right? When we talk about his, like his reputation and all that, maybe amongst the church, but those outside the church, they're like, what games are you playing? What, what are you doing, Stephen? You're, you're standing against all the things that we've known, all the tradi- traditions, all the customs, everything. You're standing against that and you're preaching something different. You're preaching Jesus. And that was offensive. See, standing full of grace and power, this is what we see in the life of Stephen. And this is what I pray for all of us, that we will stand full of power and grace because of what God's doing in our life. And so again, Acts 6 8 through 15. We're going to take an extended look at the life of Stephen over these next few weeks. And we're going to also take an extended look at the message that he's preaching here over this, these next few weeks. Because this in particular, and we're not going to skip through this. This is long. This in particular is the longest sermon in the book of Acts. It is the longest sermon preached in the book of Acts. Longer than Peter's sermon. Longer than anything Paul does which might be surprising to us, but this is the longest sermon right here in the book of Acts, and we're looking at this today. We're breaking this down. But here's a question. As we look at the, the, the preparation for this message he's about to preach, what do we see in this text about what it means to stand for Jesus with grace and power? Here's what we see. We can be guided by, number one, a fullness, Two, a fearfulness. Or three, a freedom. Fullness, a fearfulness, a freedom. Okay, and so look at verse eight. Here's what it says that for the, a fullness. This is the first point. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Again, what, what was it that he was filled with? Grace. Now, this word for grace is the word charis, and you see it all through the New Testament. It's the same word that's used. It says, for you are saved by grace through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. What does it mean to be a Christian? Grace. I was sitting with uh, a friend recently. We were talking. He's new to the faith, and one of the things he, we were talking about was um, just this idea of grace. And he's like, well, like, I get it, but I don't. What does that mean? I said, well, it's reverse karma. You know what karma is, right? Karma is you get what you deserve. And so, you know, we live in a world where we think many times, like, it's, it's about karma. I, I get what I deserve. But friends, if we got what we deserved, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here, right? Like, I would not be here if, it was, if I got what I deserved. But I get what I don't deserve. Grace is God's love, kindness, affection on me based on what Jesus has done for me. And being able to explain to him in that moment what grace was, it was like this light bulb just went off in his head and he's like, oh my goodness. I didn't realize what that word was, but I feel it. I sense it. 
I, I know that that's real. Thank you for sharing this word grace with me. See, that's what it means to be a Christian is that for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This isn't something we worked for, we earned, we deserved. What it does is it puts us in a very humble spot. I couldn't have got there on my own. I didn't work my way into God's love. I didn't work my way into God's favor, but God through Jesus came to me, met me. And so we see that He's preaching, Stephen's preaching, a message filled with grace. It's this open invitation to people to to hear the mercies of God, to hear the greatness of God. He's preaching the gospel. He's preaching good news. Good news. You you know the difference with with the gospel? and it's, It's not good advice. It's good news. It's good news of what's been done for us in Jesus. And this is a message that we got to keep preaching to ourselves again and again because we get into this trap of judging our relationship with God based on how well am I doing? Do I deserve God's love today? Do I not deserve God's love today? Am I still in the family? All of those things. No. It's grace. So he's preaching this grace, but he's also doing it with power. It's the word dunamis. And so the, and it's the same word used in Romans 1.16 where it says, It's the power of God that brings salvation. So it's talking about the gospel. It's talking about the power of God that brings salvation into your life, into my life. It is through the gospel, the good news. So that grace is leading into this power that's flowing through his life. And what's happening? He's producing fruit. He's producing fruit. Here's what it says. He was doing great wonders and signs among the people. You remember what was happening in the verse before that, in verse 7? Here's what it says. It says this, that, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. We're already starting to see it happening. Jesus is turning the religious world upside down. And so now... The things that they had put their hope in is this structure and this religiosity and all of these things are starting to break down because now the priests are starting to become obedient to the faith. John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What does it look like to bear fruit in your life as a Christian? Is it for me to just try to produce like more fruit of just being a good person and all these things? No, it's abiding in Jesus. It's staying in Jesus. It's saying, you know what? I'm going to keep preaching the gospel to myself today. It's hard to believe, but I'm going to keep following Christ. And what happens is it starts to produce something in our life where there's good things that start to come out. Well, I'm not struggling with that thing anymore like I used to. I'm not, I'm not treating people that way anymore. I, it's just starting to flow from our lives. It's a transformation of the heart. And so there's a fullness that we see in this text. But second, we see a fearfulness, right? Look at verses 9 through 14. This is, this is really interesting. Lean into this, okay? And some of those who belong to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians, and of those from Sicilia and Asia, rose up and disputed with, him, with Stephen. So they wanted to argue. 
They, they didn't like what he was preaching about. They didn't like this Jesus stuff, and so they started to argue with him. What happens? But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Couldn't withstand it. And here's what happens next. Then, then they secretly instigated men who said, we heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses and said, this man never ceases to speak words against the, this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. We see that these people that are coming against Stephen, they're filled with something. They're filled with a fearfulness. And what, what did this fearfulness lead to? It led to secrecy. Secrecy, right? Verse, verse 11. They secretly instigated men. So they, they were starting a secret coup, something that nobody else would know, but, but we see that Luke knew about this, learned about this, was able to be honest about this. They, they started something secretly, and they started to lie. Verse 12. They stirred up the people. Right? They're starting drama in all of these places. And then from that, we see that there's a setup. Verse 13, they set up false witnesses. Right, so Stephen is, just, is, is doing good by the grace of God. He's helping people. He's preaching good news. And what's happening is they're setting up things to, to stop him from doing that. And it was rooted And fear. How do I know this? Well, look at verse 14. It says, For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. You know what this fear was rooted in? Change. Change. Things are changing. We, we, we like things the way that they were before. We, we don't like this new stuff. We don't like this Jesus stuff. We remember the guy who was crucified, all that stuff. We, we don't like this new change and these things that are coming. Like, I'm more comfortable with the laws of Moses. I, I'm more comfortable with my own self-righteousness. I'm more comfortable with feeling like, you know what, before God, I'm a good person. But this stuff that Stephen's preaching here, I don't like that. I want, I, want, I want it the old way where, I, where I, I could stand on my own righteousness, where I can act like I, I got it all together, where I'm a good person. And so they're starting out of fear to get a setup going on Stephen here. And, and here's the thing. Was Stephen preaching these things? Was he preaching about Jesus destroying the temple? Was he preaching about against the, 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 the laws of Moses and the way that they're saying this? Well, he's going to change the customs that, that Moses delivered to well, What we see is that they were false witnesses, right? And so there's some lies and deception that was, was twisted into what they were doing and saying. But we know that Jesus did say this in Matthew 26, 61. He says, 
here's what they said about Jesus. And they declared, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Remember that stir that happened when Jesus said that in the temple? And so now what we see here is there's, there's this stir going on because, again, it, it's, it's taking the focus off of them. It's taking the focus off this building the temple. It's taking the focus off the customs that they've always known and putting it squarely on Jesus. And that was fearful for them. That was, that was scary for them. Because what that's saying is, you know what? The old structures that were in place where they had control, no longer do they have control. And again, like it said in verse 7, a large number of priests were starting to become obedient to the faith. And so everything that they had known and they had built up is starting to crumble right before their eyes. See, fear was rising because Jesus was changing everything. These religious systems and programs that were used to manipulate and control the people were being exposed and brought down. And what's happening is Jesus is being lifted up to his rightful place as king. And the religious leaders were furious about this. See, this is the type of change. And so we have to put our, our mindset in the, 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 the people at the time. What would they have heard? In his book, Jesus the King, Timothy Keller explains this. He said, here's what it would have sounded like in the first century. This is particularly to uh, a, a Greek person. He says, ah, the neighbor says, I hear you are religious. Great. Religion is a good thing. Where's your temple or holy place? We don't have a temple, replies the Christian. Jesus is our temple. No temple, but where do your priests work and do their rituals? We don't have priests to mediate the presence of God, replies the Christian. Jesus is our priest. No priests, but where do you offer your sacrifices to acquire the favor of your God? We don't need a sacrifice, replies the Christian. Jesus is our sacrifice, what kind of religion is that, sputters the pagan neighbor? And the answer is, it's no kind of religion at all. See, the gospel is something entirely different. And so Stephen is standing on the work of Jesus and what Jesus does, and it is just shaking the foundations of everything that's happening here as he's preaching this. But what do we see in his life? Not a fearfulness, but we see a freedom. Look at verse 15. This is the last part. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. So this council that's filled with fear, that's filled with, with fury. What we'll see later is that they, they, are, they are going to kill Stephen. This is going to happen. So this, it's, it's already starting. There's this fury. There's this rage because he's, he's speaking the truth. It says that they were gazing at him. And all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Now the, the council, as they look intently at him for his next move, says that they saw that his face was like an angel. Now, this is a unique phrase in the New Testament, but, but it's, it's Luke's way of saying that he's innocent. That he's innocent. In the midst of all of these false accusations, in the midst of those that are setting him up, trying to get him to, to be exposed in some way or another, he's innocent. 
but it also displays the freedom in which Stephen was living as he lived to please God and not man. How many of us are just filled with fear each day? Shame, guilt. What, what do we see from, from the life of Stephen? Well, it's, in Romans it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's, it's filled with this freedom that he's not living for the approval of people, but he's living for the approval of God. And as he's standing there, we got to ask this. What was, who were the people that were filled in this crowd? Well, earlier we saw in verse 9, there's this interesting insight. And you know how we talked about how Luke, is, he's a doctor. He's very technical with the way he's writing this. So, so this is very intentional here. I was listening to, to one of my favorite preachers, Sinclair Ferguson. Here's what he, he, he pointed this out. I thought this was interesting. He says, you know, Cilicia, talked about in verse 9. It's where Tarsus is located. And if you know anything about Tarsus, Tarsus is where Saul was from. And Saul was being groomed in all of these religious systems and structures. And he was one of the ones that was probably there, most likely there, arguing against Stephen. But do you remember what it said? It said that none of his arguments were able to penetrate the truth from what Stephen was saying. The most educated man, like if you remember the, 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 the resume of Saul of Tarsus, Hebrew of Hebrews, best education. He had it all. And he was not able to argue down this man that was filled with grace and power, Stephen. The guy who was waiting tables. The guy who took the position of being the lowest. And I think in many ways, this had to stick with Saul because what we're going to see at the end of Stephen's life and we're going to see it. Is that the one that's holding the coats of the one who's going to, the, the ones who are going to stone Stephen? Says that Saul was the one standing right there as he watched Stephen being stoned to death. This had to impact him when he said something like this in Galatians 1.10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. A servant of Christ. The man who stood by as he watched Stephen breathe his last. So today, some takeaways. First question, what's guiding you? What's guiding you? Are you being guided by a, a fullness of God's grace, 
and power in your life. You know, one of the encouragements that we ask is just, you know, over these next 40 days to focus on the journey to the cross and and read some of these devotionals. And and I just want to encourage you. It's it's the the rhythm of God's grace, right? There's going to be days where you might miss it. (laughs) You might not read that day. It's okay to jump back in. But just seeking God and asking, saying, God, I want to be filled with your wisdom. I want to be filled with your power. I want to be filled with your grace, Lord. Help me. So the beautiful thing is that the Lord answers those prayers. The ones who seek him find. And what you'll find out is that he was seeking you the whole time, drawing you in, saying, come, listen, be near to me. But what are you guided by? Or are you guided by a fearfulness? Well, this is just the way I like things. This is just the old way I used to do things. Are you just filled with just anxiety upon anxiety upon anxiety? And it's okay to be honest. And say, you know what? I've been guided by a lot of these things. But there's a God of grace who rescues us from that. And so living in those old ways and those old structures and saying, Jesus, free me from that. Free me from that. Help me, to, help me to start to live for you. But the, the second is this. Is God's presence evident in your life? Is God's presence evident in your life? You might say, well, I don't know. I don't know. What I want to encourage you with is this. It's a, it's a long journey. It's a long haul. And that his presence one of the things he says is you are in Christ. You're in Christ. He says this. He says, never will I leave you nor forsake you. Never will I forget about you. God, I feel like I'm forgotten right now. He's with you. See, it's more about God's promise than your feelings. We understand that, right? God's promises trump my feelings. And that's the good news today because, let's be honest, I don't always feel it. I'm not always feeling it. But his presence is there. We were talking recently in a, in a Bible study we were doing on Fridays with some guys, and, and we were talking about this, but it's like that, that picture, you know, with the, you got the footprints in the sand. I don't know if you've ever seen this. You got the footprints in the sand, and then there's a, only one set of footprints at one point, and then there's two again. And it's the question of where were you during that time when there was only one footprint? And it's, I was carrying you the whole time. I was carrying you. And it is like, as much as I heard it and all that stuff, I always, it always gets me. It always gets me. It's because I know it's true. He's carrying me in, in the darkest moments. He's always there. His presence is there. And so here's the trajectory of where we're going. This is the good news for you and me, friends. As we put our faith in Jesus, trust in Christ, 
as the old religious systems that even we place up in our lives are, are destroyed and saying, okay, I need Christ. Here's what it says that we're headed towards. Revelation 21, 22 through 23. And I saw no temple in the city. Didn't see a building. What does John see? It's the, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon or shine on it, or to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Friends, that's what we're heading towards. And as we study this sermon that's preached by Stephen, that's the city he puts his hope in. That's the direction he puts his life and says, that's the trajectory of my life. And I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. He found his hope and what Jesus had done for him. And will you find that? And will you let God fill you with his grace and power? Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you for being there with us. I thank you for the life of Stephen that we can read today. A man who's raised his hand and said, here I am. Can I just serve and, and clean up some tables and, and, and do the humble things to serve the community? And, and, and what you did, God, is you raised him up to this position to preach the, this sermon. He's about to preach this sermon to the most knowledgeable learned of his day. And he's able to stand because of your grace and power. I pray, Lord, that we will not be controlled by what people think, but we'll be a people that stand on what you think and what you want to do in our lives, Lord. And may we experience the grace and love of that holy city that's built on Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.